friends, welcome to Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. This is episode 17, and today I'm going to continue our series on buying lumber, and I want to talk about buying lumber online today. You know, 10 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot outside of eBay, really, and I did buy a fair amount of lumber on eBay. The key, and, and, and you know, today it's great because there are a lot of retailers that will ship um, and have material listed online. There are some retailers who are exclusively online. That's all they do. There is no showroom. Everything they have is listed on their website. And it's really kind of nice because it's opened up a lot of especially exotic lumbers to the average woodworker that may not have a lot of resources around them, or maybe the resources they have are a local sawmill and pretty much all they get are domestic species. So it is, it is a, a wonderful world we live in today. But you know, with more opportunity, with more choices, comes more confusion. So I remember back when I was buying a lot of lumber online, um, 15 years ago, maybe, um, it was really for very specific reasons. I was buying mostly turning blank type stuff because that's what could be shipped. Bowl blanks, spindle blanks, pen blanks, small, um, thin lumber, what I guess you might call knife scales today, but these were not quite so small, but they were thin like knife scales, but longer pieces. And at the time with my woodworking, I was doing the craft show circuit. So I was building a lot of gift boxes and smaller kind of knickknack items. So rarely did I use lumber that was much thicker than a half an inch and usually more like three eighths of an inch. So I could buy a lot of that material online. Moreover, early on in my woodworking career, I wasn't nearly as picky as I am now about grain matching and getting a good color match and a grain match and let alone grain wrapping and things like that on boxes. But the other thing was, is a box is so small that it doesn't take a whole lot of lumber in order to build the entire box out of it. So I didn't really have to be all that picky. As I began to move more into furniture, I will admit some of my early pieces really had no attention paid toward grain and color matching. And, and you know, that's the evolution, right, of, of a furniture maker, of a woodworker. So, but it was also kind of, shall we say, caused, no, it was caused by me and just a poor understanding, but I'll, I'll blame it on the fact that I was buying my lumber from very disparate sources. I was buying a lot of lumber sight unseen, or if I had seen it, it was an image on eBay or something like that. And the reason I bring this up is buying lumber online, while we have a lot of options, we still need to think about it in a very specific way. What are you looking for? When you go and you're looking for a hundred board feet of something to build, you know, a high boy, buying lumber online may not be the best way to go. First of all, shipping that kind of material, that volume of material gets really expensive. But you also, when you need that many boards to build something and you are concerned about color and grain match, you really have a hard time choosing the boards from an image online and getting that right fit. Now, the, the exception would be if you've got somebody you're buying from that has like a sequential match and you know that everything is numbered, you can see it all came from the same log and there are retailers out there that will do that. But most of the time we're buying one piece, two piece, not because we don't need much volume, but we're buying it for a specific reason. We see this piece online and it's a figured piece of something or it's a particular wide piece of something or it's a really unusual species. And we're using that one board as like a contrast or the highlight or the focal point of the piece of furniture that we're building. Or the other aspect is you only need a very small amount of lumber to build the entire project. Like you're turning a bolt 
and you need a bowl blank or any kind of turning project where you're using a single block of wood and online retailers tend to have a lot of those two by twos and two by six bowl blanks and four by fours and four by eights and things like that specifically cut for turning purposes. When you step outside of the turning side of things, you're left with that thin stock lumber, you know, half inch, three eighths of an inch thick, and, and you know, it's ebony or bubinga or figured bubinga or something like that, something really crazy. And certainly there is going to be a higher price tag attached to it because it's figured or because it's a really rare species. Or in many instances, it's a species that you're never really going to find in traditional board form because it just doesn't, the tree doesn't grow that big or the tree is so expensive or so rare that you got to take what you can get. I apologize for that hum in the background. My space heater just kicked on. So the the way we have to look at buying lumber online is what exactly are you looking to buy? And if you are looking to buy normal sized boards, and I put normal in air quotes here because an FAS board, a six inch wide by eight foot long board, buying online can be very difficult. First of all, shipping anything over eight feet is really expensive. There's an automatic like $60 surcharge if you're shipping UPS. And even then there's the whole UPS girth measurement that can get very, very expensive. So you'll find a lot of online retailers won't stock anything longer than about 60 inches. And the majority of their stuff tends to be 48 inches and, and under in length. The widths, they can get away with more, but again, the girth measurement that a lot of shipping companies use can really add up fast on the shipping costs. And the best online retailers, if you go back to the episode I did with Bell Forest, you know that because so much of what they do is, is shipped, they're able to get really good deals with the carriers. A lot of these smaller retailers don't have that option and they're shipping, you know, one, two packages at a time, especially the guys you're buying from on eBay. It's just not something they're shipping a lot and they can't get any kind of deal, wholesale deal with the carrier. So shipping becomes very, very cost prohibitive. So the minute you start thinking, I need to buy um, a volume of lumber or full size boards in order to get the parts that I need, buying online may not be the way to go. So I don't want to discount buying online because most of the furniture parts that we have are not, they don't require a board that's that long or a board that's that's wide. For example, I'm finishing up a chest of drawers right now and I stumbled across some American chestnut at an online retailer. Cookwoods, actually out in Oregon. Um, great company, great people to work with. They had some chestnut. And here was a good example where I knew that the chest I was building wasn't really super tall or super wide. So I was able to kind of put together a list of what I needed and go through and look at all the images and, and pick each board that I wanted, knowing that this board is going to be used for the side of the case. This board is going to be used for the other side of the case. Or in some instances, these two boards will be glued together in a panel to be used for the side of the case. And they had great images of both the front and the back of the board. And I was able to literally pick out board by board by board as if I was standing there in front of the rack. Now, obviously the issue with that is, is say someone else is doing the same thing at the exact same time. And they're also adding those boards to cart and you go to check out and they've checked out before you and, oh no, you know, it's like getting concert tickets. Suddenly <laughs> you got to show up really, really fast because what you're buying is a unique item. It's not like that picture of American chestnut. There's seven more behind it. That is the actual board you're buying. So, you know, granted, what are the chances, right? Of that particular board of American chestnut, someone who happens to be browsing at the exact same time 
time and adding it to the cart at the same time. It's minuscule, certainly, but it is something to be aware of. I have actually run into that before when um, a sales email came out from a retailer and they had this great, I don't remember what the species was, some, you know, really, really unusual species. And the figure was incredible. And I honestly was doing an impulse buy. It looked cool. No idea what I was going to use it for. But man, I could use that for something. And, it, you know, I went and immediately started looking for the widest and the longest board that I could find. Well, obviously, several other people had the same idea. And they had a lot of narrow and thin boards. And then this one, like, 15-inch wide board that was, like, 30 inches wide. Well, I added a cart, went to check out and it was gone. You know, I got the little error message. I'm sorry, this item is no longer available. So it does happen. It's something to be aware of. So again, think about what kind of lumber you're looking to buy. And if you are looking for that single board that's going to be a door panel or you need a small piece of stock because you're going to make drawer pulls out of it or something like that or make a molding out of it, this is a great way to do it. Now, the better online retailers, and again, I'll highlight Bell Forest, they have the whole pick, choose your own board and everything is laid out there. And you can, just like I did with my case, go through and, and literally pick out your parts list and find all the boards you need for that parts list. It's still can get very expensive very fast though because you're adding all these boards to your cart and you end up with six seven different boards and suddenly your shipping is 60 70 100 so you got to be very careful there and in general if you need to buy more than maybe four or five boards for a project i'm not sure that buying online is the best way to go but boy, is it a fantastic way to go when you need that special species, that special figured something for a focal point in the piece. Now, this would be uh, most of the online retailers. The same thing would apply for eBay. Craigslist is a slightly different beast because obviously Craigslist is an online marketplace for local transactions or local-ish transactions. And it can be a great place to find lumber and then go and inspect it before you buy it. So in many ways, it's it's the combination of buying online and going to the local lumber yard. The caveat that I would worry about with Craigslist is who are you buying from? You will find a lot of, of actual lumber yards that are listing material on Craigslist, but you'll also find a lot of backyard sawyers who are listing on Craigslist. This is not a legality thing. I mean, if you're talking about domestic species, there's not going to be any kind of Lacey Act violation here, unless, of course, it's redwood. <laughs> and you got to be careful. Where did you get that redwood, sir? You know, your sawmill is awful close to Sequoia National Park. I bring that up because redwood poaching is kind of an epidemic. There are certainly protected lands, and you have to wonder where did this person get this material. But for the most part, it's usually somebody that has some land or maybe has a, a wood miser bandsaw mill or something, and they're buying logs from a tree removal company or from a, a local municipality or whatever, and they're sawing it up and have their own little um, backyard operation. What you have to be curious about, though, you certainly want to go and inspect that material, but you want to ask a lot of questions. You know, first, where did where did these boards come from? Where did this log come from? Um, just get the backstory, find out where it came from, and that will alleviate some of the concerns because you don't know what's in that log. And as they saw it in the boards, they probably uncovered the nails and the, the buckshot and the bullets and all the other stuff that might damage your tools later on. But just having an understanding of where it came from also can help with the backstory. You know, hey, I built this beautiful piece of furniture, Grandma, and, you know, it came from the forest over three blocks over or something. That That's kind of cool to, to know that. But on the other side of things, tell me about your process, Mr. Backyard Sawyer. 
Um, what did you do once this was sawn? What kind of drying has been done? Has it been dried at all? You know, if you're going and visiting these Craigslist sellers, you probably want to have a moisture meter with you or ask the guy on you before you, when you set the appointment to go, is it dried? What's the current moisture temperature? If they don't know, that might be a bit of a red flag and certainly a reason to bring a moisture meter with you. Then the other question is, how was it dried? Was it just air dried? How long has it been air drying? Have you seen any indication of pests? Um, indication of pests being little holes and piles of sawdust because there can certainly be pesticide applications, but time and time again, it's been proven that that just doesn't cut it. And in fact, uh, USDA, the only thing they accept is for a phytosanitary um, is a heat treatment certificate. The best way to kill these bugs is in a kiln and you have to bring the wood up. Um, oh, I'm not going to remember the temperature now. I want to say 180 degrees Fahrenheit, but I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. We'll just say for the sake of this conversation, you have to bring the wood up to 180 degrees and it has to stay there for 48 hours. And that's the only way you can be certain that you killed those bugs. Um, now I'm not even certain it's 48 hours. Now I'm doubting myself. But regardless, the heat treatment certificate shows that this wood has been held at this temperature for this amount of time and it therefore passes. And now that lumber can be sold. That lumber can be transported across state lines. Unless, of course, there is a quarantine. You're finding this more and more and more with ash and with walnut. There are actually state quarantines that even with a heat treatment certificate, you are unable to move that lumber across state lines. And that's one board or 5,000 boards. It, it, it's the same across across the board. So pun intended. So if you are selling or excuse me, buying from that backyard Sawyer, you might be able to fly under the radar with with quarantines like that. But, you know, care about your forest, folks, care about your local trees. And if you're buying walnut from somebody across a thousand canker quarantine line, be responsible. All right. There may not be someone standing there policing you saying you can't do that, but there's a reason that these are, are in place and whether or not, you know, I don't want the, the, the botanists calling in and going, those quarantines don't do Jack. Well, maybe that's the case, but you know what? Let's try something because things like canker and emerald ash borer and powder post, they are very, very real threats to our forests. And you know, the quarantines might help. They might not help, but at least let's pay attention to it. So if you are buying from that individual, a lot of these checks and balances aren't in place and it's up to you, the buyer, to be asking these questions because you don't want to bring a board back that's infested with something. And how are you going to heat treat it if it is? You know, do you have a kiln? <laughs> do you have a really, really large oven that you can stick it in and hold it there for a while? You can certainly look into some pesticides, but man, I know people who have done that and it's caused more trouble than anything else. And cold, folks, cold is not the solution. Freezing the board or sticking it out in the Minnesota winter is not the solution. There's been many, many studies that show that these little beasties can go into hibernation or whatever it's called and hang out for months and months and months in the cold and still be fine when it warms up again. It's only the heat, only the heat treatment that can kill off those bucks consistently. Okay. Yes, there are pesticides out there, but you know, the really, really nasty stuff, let's maybe not play with that. Let's use it to power our time machines and not kill the pests in our, in our logs and our boards and stuff. So Craigslist, again, great place to find a lot of lumber and a great place to find lumber in a larger volume. So as I said before, I'm buying from these online retailers. And if you need four, five, six boards, maybe that's not the best solution. But Craigslist can be a great solution. And looking at whoever the seller is on Craigslist and, you know, who, who is this company? Are they actually a sawmill? Well, a lot of those questions can be answered right away. It also can be a great way to actually identify local sawmills or local retailers that you didn't know 
know about before. So back to the last episode, when I talked about how to locate some of these places, Craigslist is another great opportunity because I know a lot of retail lumber yards that also list material on Craigslist. A lot of times they list their um, offcuts and, and the byproduct type stuff, maybe they're less than material or very specific stuff like ingrain cookies and things like that, that have become really popular. Sometimes live edge slabs, the one-off type stuff can be listed on Craigslist. A lot of these places also have eBay stores and that's a place where you can look. Um, yeah, I mean, Amazon has started getting into selling lumber and through the Amazon marketplace, you actually can find people who are selling lumber. So there are a lot of opportunities online to not only find boards, but potentially find a supplier for the future. So the online thing can bridge that gap by using a, a, a identify them online and then go and look at it and pick it up locally. Going in that same vein, your traditional lumber yard that we talked about in the last episode, while you're not viewing inventory online, you can still pick up the phone and call them and have it delivered. A smaller sized order, you might get some hemming and hawing on the ability to deliver. But one of the things you can say if they meet her like, no, I'm sorry, we won't deliver an order that small. You can say, well, are you delivering anything in this area? You know, how full is the truck coming in my direction? You know, you're calling from New Orleans and you're talking to a lumber yard here in Maryland. And well, do you have a truck coming down this way? Yeah, we have a truck that comes there, you know, next Wednesday. Well, is it full yet? No. How much space do you have left? Well, we still have, we could still fit, you know, 5,000 board feet on there. Okay, well, if I place my order, can you add it in there? And then when that truck is filled, can you bring it? you know, to uh, maybe sometimes they'll even bring it to your house, but other places there may be a local distribution center. I've run into this before when I've bought large, um, large items. Um, I bought a, a new tub years ago when I was remodeling my bathroom and it was delivered to the warehouse, to the actual distribution center. And I went and picked it up there. I've heard several people who've done the same thing with um, machinery, like Grizzly and Powermatic and things. It gets delivered to that local warehouse right on the highway and they go and pick it up from there. Or say there is a cabinet shop or a retailer in your neighborhood and that lumberyard is delivering there. Well, you can help them help that lumberyard fill their truck with your order. You know, I'm only ordering hundred board feet or 50 board feet, but you know, sneak it into that truck and no, I don't have to have it tomorrow. I'm not expecting Amazon prime delivery. I'm expecting when you fill that truck, you know, when do you think you're going to fill that truck? Well, we got to get it out of here in the next week. I mean, a lot of these lumber yards, they will actually, the salesman will actually do what's called truck filler phone calls. You know, we've got a truck that only needs a thousand more board feet and we really need to get it out of here because of the stuff that's waiting in there, it, it kind of needs to go to our customers. So our sales guys will pick up the phone and just start calling our existing customer base saying, Hey, I've got a truck that only needs 400 more board feet. What do you need? You know, there's got to be something that you need. And it's a great opportunity to kind of piggyback on some other people's orders and help fill that truck, the lumberyard will be happy. They do not want to send out a truck that's only three quarters full because it's the same amount of gas to get there. And if you have a half empty truck, oh, that sucks, man, on the profitability. So this is not an online retailer. It's a traditional retailer or traditional wholesaler that might actually be delivering. And you might not think there's no way they're going to deliver me 2000 miles away. But if that was is within their delivery um, purview, you know, if they say we ship nationwide or we ship anywhere east of the Mississippi and you are east of the Mississippi, you know, you could call a lumber yard in Maine and have it delivered to Florida. It all depends upon the timing and getting that right. So while that's not technically an online um, source, 
still, it's the same thing. You are either placing an order online or you're calling somebody and you're having the material brought to you via some sort of carrier. So don't overlook that and don't be afraid to ask, you know, is there a truck coming my way and, and, and how full is it? How much space do you have left? It can be a great opportunity. But in the end, folks, anytime you're buying lumber, whether it be online from a lumber yard or whatever, you just need to be asking these questions about where did it come from? How has it been dried? You know, what's the story on, on, the, on the pest control and all that stuff? It just becomes even more paramount when you start going online and start dealing with the individual citizen sawyers. There can be some great gems out there, but just make sure you're doing your quality control because a lot of times they are not. And it's not like they're trying to rip you off. Sometimes maybe they don't know, or sometimes, you know, hey, that's why my prices are so cheap because no, I'm not doing all this extra stuff, but that's why you're getting it for a dollar a board foot instead of $4 a board foot because the extra stuff hasn't been done and that's on you to deal with. So just be very aware of that stuff. And the other thing is, don't be afraid of the opportunistic, the, the checkout line impulse buy. You know, if you subscribe to the email newsletters of several of these larger online um, distributors, you can get some really cool stuff. And while I am not a huge proponent of hoarding a bunch of lumber, every now and then you're going to get that email and you're going to see just this gorgeous piece of wood. And it's a great opportunity to just, you know, pay the $40 or the $60 to get that one particular board. And it may sit in your collection for years and years and years, but it's a way to start building up that stuff. Cause it's not that you're going to be stockpiling, you know, hundreds of board feet of zero cote, but you might have that one board of zero cote that could inspire your next project, or it could be sitting on the shelf and just inspire you every day you look at it. And one of these days you might make it into something. So online is a great opportunity for window shopping and impulse buying and, and fueling your own design inspiration because you can buy that single board of a species you can't pronounce from a part of the world you didn't even know it existed. It happens. So this is a, a kind of a, a shorter and sweeter episode because there's not much more to say about online buying. It is a very, very viable resource, but you have to kind of couch it with the type of buying that you're looking to do. I really urge you against buying in large volumes. Now, I will say, because I have talked to the guys at Bell Forest, they are one of the companies that will put together project packs, and that is a viable option. And in many instances, the lumber is already S4S'd. They've worked with the uh, the supplier, for instance, um, my buddy Mark over at the Wood Whisper Guild does stuff with Bell Forest, and they, they know from Mark how much lumber is needed, kind of the approximate sizes of the parts list and things like that, and they will put together a pack of lumber. Usually they will exceed the amount of material you need, usually that 20% over so that you don't have to call them back and order that one more board. So that is that is an option. And, and again, with a retailer like Bell Forest, they're getting those great deals on shipping. So you usually can do pretty well. So it is something to think about. There are, on, are online retailers who will sell project packs. When I was still running Hardwood to Go, I would do 25 board foot orders, 50 board foot orders. Um, I think I went all the way up to 75 board feet. Beyond that, shipping got really, really expensive. But I was putting together these like miscellaneous packs, or you could buy all one species, or you could just get a random 25 board foot pack or 50 board foot pack that just I went in and I picked boards off. And I still have people today who email me saying, man, I wish you were still around because I got some great material that way. So it's, it's an absolute possibility. This is also a lot of things that you will find on eBay 
eBay and Craigslist, where these people put together these kind of grab bag boxes or flat rate shipping boxes filled with pen blanks or spindle blanks. It's a great way to buy veneer too, by the way. So online, as I said, it's a very viable resource. Just make sure you are asking the questions you need to ask and look at the photographs. It's great. It's a great way to kind of shop per board. Just don't buy a whole bunch of lumber and inspect it all to perfectly color match. That's really the realm of actually going to the lumber yard. So that brings us to the end of part two of our buying guide. Next time I want to get into how you need to prepare for that lumber yard trip. I know far too many people who struggle with this and they end up walking away feeling like they didn't get everything they needed or maybe they got shafted or just are plain overwhelmed. Uh, I've heard from a lot of folks who have left the lumber yard feeling bad, feeling bad about themselves. Um, so let's see if we can't get you uh, a little bit better prepared next time you head to the lumber yard. Now, I, I've had a couple of episodes here where I haven't mentioned uh, my patrons. I've been a little remiss in that because I've been focusing on, focusing on specific issues. But I do want to say a special thank you again to Wes, another great contribution to the show. Rex, you know what you did. You're the man. And Michael um, have all joined the ranks of, of our, our patrons recently. And um, we are like, I think, a couple dollars away from launching the YouTube channel as of this recording. So thank you to everybody who's gotten us this far. Really excited to be able to start highlighting species, individual species in a video format. So um, that's great. Um, we, are, we are well on our way. And thank you again to everybody who has supported the show. Having a lot of fun with this. And remember, folks, whether it's at your local lumber yard, your local cabinet shop, or a far-flung place that you've bought online, just go buy some lumber. <laughs>